Good morning. So I've been very, the mind has been very agitated, especially yesterday evening when I was um, trying to fall asleep and I couldn't. Um, yeah, and I think I got afraid of falling into some kind of weird mind state and then, yeah, so I, I did some interventions like, like self-compassion and, and some tapping on the... Um, so my, where I'm at is that I'm developing some kind of aversion to being aware <laughs> because it makes me feel itchy and it makes me feel... Um, it, it, there's constant, like constant engagement of the mind, constant thought, constant. There's no samadhi. There's nothing, no concentration. Um, so I've, I've been trying to do some shamatha, just you know, being aware of my breathing. But I don't get beyond seven or something, seven breaths. So um, yeah, okay, that's okay. where I'm at. ตัวเนี่ยตัวตะติถามาเราไม่ใช่ฉินตะโลผิดลาเลยตัวลงมาตะมาดิไม่ยะนายอตุ้ยฤบะตีนะแดผิดนะฤตีนะสิกกะตะ
It's really a, a lesson in, you know, seeing how when we do anything with resistance or desire, with attachment, you know, with expectation, it doesn't work. It's like quicksand. The more you do, the worse it gets. I feel calm now. Mm. But uh, what I... Um, I think it has to do uh, too with the the environment of being in this interview and being in a Q&A and, and being able to relate socially. Um, so it is, I mean, it is the longest retreat, silent retreat I've ever done. So it's it's also like a, a learning experience and being faced with... It might be helpful to know that, you know, the, the longer we stay silent, the more stuff comes out of the mind, the more we see that comes out of the mind. So um, that can happen on um, longer retreats or just when we are more silent, you know, we, we see more agitation that, is, that has been buried because we've been busy. He says... Um, the important skill that we're trying to learn um, through the process is uh, learning to objectively um, be with agitation, where the uh, agitation is an experience and the observer is not so much influenced by the agitation. So, so remember, Seattle says, whenever you're, you're working at something and it doesn't seem to work, always check your attitude. Is the mind trying to do something? Is the mind trying to get something? What does the mind want? Um, is it not liking what's happening? Is it trying to... It, does it have some subtle idea that it's that there's something better or that, that there's something that it, it thinks should happen. Um, and then recognizing that, sometimes just the recognition of it um, brings relief, you know, drops that wrong attitude. And sometimes you just have to keep recognizing the wrong attitude. Subtly, um, the automatic mind rejects unpleasant experiences or what it judges to be unpleasant. You know, yeah. So we need to recognize the mind is rejecting. Yeah, that is certainly happening. And I see a lot of doubt coming up. Um, and maybe some something I wanted, I wanted to ask about is um, the fact of or the th this creating positive emotions or 
So what I've been observing is when I smile and do walking meditation, everything seems a little more bearable. And so something else is, Sayadaw says um, in the book, um, we should be happy about knowing and you know being able to be aware and being able to know which is maybe also some kind of like giving us a certain spin on the mind and so my question is it shouldn't like like this seems to be in in contrast to the fact of not not creating or that creation is always greed so my question is should we try to make ourselves happy in a wholesome way you know if it's if the alternative is between smiling and not smiling then and smiling makes me feel better shouldn't i smile so you think we should create or we should not we should i think we should okay yeah i should be happy already hold the d the dio go jesu เอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อเอ่อ
um, or aversion motivates um, action, there is also the results that that greed and aversion um, and when we act out of a wholesome motivation, it feels good because the, motiva- the, the energy that you bring to it is, is, is good it makes you feel light, energized it makes you feel wholesome confident, whereas when um, there is the energies of um, greed or aversion at work says, there is also attendant the, the suffering that you know the, the, the unpleasant feelings that uh, greed and aversion bring to the body and mind you can't not have those if you use those energies to do something um, I guess the question was also related to the practice of, of metta, karuna and the, so the, the brahma viharas um, where is the space for, for doing that and when is that skillful and when, it's, when is that well in Sayadaf's view when is that helpful, for, uh, helpful and skillful okay เอ่อเบจิมาตงเตเลเบจิมาตงวาระหัวอโจชิเลบ่ตมะทะอ่ะเราพูดว่ามันญาณลุเตเนี่ยอโจชิบ่ญาณลุเตเนี่ยมาต
And you just and what you can see from that is the cause and effect. The mind that wants to move comes up, and then the body moves because of this mind. This mental energy makes the body move. You can see that connection. Yes, and you might begin to also recognize what is behind the moving mind or the wanting to move mind. You know whether it's motivated by um, something wholesome. Um, like or unwholesome restlessness or necessity etc you can sometimes it seems like there's almost like a whole committee room of minds going on in my head and there's a mind even that mocks what seems to be my governing mind and says you're a fake but you see that governing mind it's not governing, it's only aware, it's not controlling, it's what not in charge, it's only, it's only a silent witness, it has no other power. Yeah. He says, just remember, the only thing is that, to remember that you don't ever control. have the power to control them. Sierra says, um, all those minds, they all have their job and their responsibility and they'll carry out their responsibility on their own you know if agitation's job is to cause agitation it will do what it has to do nature you, you can't stop yeah, nature does its own work you know and they never interfere in the other's job yeah so awareness definitely can't interfere in their job awareness is just a silent witness okay um, yeah, I guess the last 24 hours have been, a lot has been stirred up. Well, it's, it feels like a bit of a microcosm of my practice life. Um, I had a, the first part of the day a lot of lovely moments of pity and ikagata and just really coming into samadhi. And then pretty much I came into deep states of samadhi in the early afternoon, felt very stable, felt very calm, felt very present with all the six sense doors. Very aware of cause and effect, very aware of no need to attach to any liking or disliking because everything has cause and effect behind it. And then I started, I didn't, I didn't realize until later that this was happening, but I started to get a little greedy. And I sat, and I sat, and I sat, you know. It became like a marathon. And I hadn't, I don't think, quite realized just how contracted I was getting during that and how much I was actually, what seemed like sustaining samadhi was actually becoming effort, which was becoming wanting. And so then when I finally came kind of out of sort of formal sitting into moving around and being aware, I was in a very strange state. I felt a little bit kind of foggy and it really in my body and really, but, but a little tired, headachey, all of that stuff was coming up. So then I found the rest of the afternoon, the rest of the evening practice very challenging because I was in that state. And I just felt like I needed a release valve. So a couple of times I was just like, yeah, okay, I'm going to just allow myself to imagine watching TV and eating pizza instead of being here. Just <laughs> let it go, you know? <laughs> I felt like I needed a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And but I but I sustained I sustained practice. I tried to be with those difficult sensations without judgment. I tried to be with fuzziness. I tried to be with uncomfortability, um, tiredness. Did you see judgment? I saw judgment for sure. So I felt like that was still practicing with awareness with the difficulty. And then what happened is when I went to sleep, I had a really unrestful sleep. I had fantastically vivid dreams all night long. So I woke up feeling exhausted. But it was interesting because I was then, when I woke up, feeling into, leaning into, well, what's the connection between maybe what I had experienced in waking, an awaking state of consciousness and that dream state of of agitation. So it definitely felt like stuff was being churned up. It wasn't necessarily stuff that I could recognize and say well, that's a sankara or something, but just stuff. Um, but as often happens, once I go through that arc, this morning was lovely and peaceful and calm, and I was just much more able to be with a relaxed state of mind and to but it was felt really lovely to be reminded again of just how important relaxation is ဖြစ်နေကြဟာဖြစ်တဲ့အတိုင်းဖြစ်တလို့ပဲတဲ့သူပထမမနက်ကနေနေလဲအထီသူဒီကအကောင်းနေတဲ့အားထုတ်လို
อ่าบรรลุชนอเพื่อไหลไอ้ไอ้ฉิมันตะรีทามะทายอยู่ไอ้ก่อนเสร็จแล้วเนาะแล้วตานเนี่ยตัวเต็งละ The moment the mind thinks something, anything about it is good. The mind is trying to grasp onto it, to to hold it. And Shadow says, and the lesson is to recognize that. And to keep recognizing it, you know, because so long as greed is operating, it's going to start having a time bomb effect. You know, it's going to tick over until it hits the other end, yeah. Yeah, he says, the moment, yeah, the moment, you know, you're, you're having any experience, and if you ever hear your mind say, oh, this is going well, or how nice this is, he said, that's when it's turned on the time bomb. And then eventually, you know, when the mind can't get, or hang on to what it wants um, it's going to get frustrated and then it'll be the other downhill yeah this is very useful to me as well um, <laughs> because I have exactly the same experience very often right. of uh, that um, kind of arrival at this very peaceful place and then very clear that um, you know the mind that's watching it um, wants more and wants to keep it wants wants it to stay there Saido, um what I try to do in that situation as soon as I see the attachment as the earliest possible moment that's a, it's a, it's amazing to try and find what is the earliest moment that the attachment arises because oftentimes I see the attachment after it's arisen. Sometimes it's okay, I can practice with that, but sometimes I don't see it until too late, you know, and then mm. the bomb is there. But the earlier I can see it, you know, Seattle says, and the, the key to knowing it early is to always, is that constant checking of the knowing of the awareness itself. And if we can always just know the awareness, Seattle says, because that greed comes into the awareness, the greed is not an object. Greed is the greed that's, that's pushing the awareness. Yeah, it, it kind of gets on the back, behind the neck of your awareness where it can't be seen. And, and starts, it starts riding the awareness like a horse. So <laughs> then it's too much energy. Then we start using too much energy to be aware, to try, we get tired. That's why Seattle says whenever he's aware, it's never just um, the object. It's always he's knowing the object and he's noticing the awareness as well. He always keeps the awareness in view. Then he always has a complete picture of the... The pepper mean, the government mean, the complete picture, the half of it. Yeah. Experience, the kubaya, the nakulo mean, 
Then he has a complete picture of the elements of the present moment that are operating in the present moment, the what is being known and what is knowing. And he says, if we only know the object that we know, Sierra says, we only know half the picture. We don't know how we are knowing how. You know, the So if we're only watching the objects, Yara says, we never have a chance to, to catch the greed entering the awareness straight away. Whereas if we're always keeping an eye on the awareness as well, because the greed that enters enters the awareness, Yara says, we are much more likely to catch the fact that awareness is starting to become motivated by greed. Thank you. That's very clear. There are two practical ways that, that, I've, um, that I use to um, be with this uh, situation. Uh, one is the question that arises. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a question and an action at the same time. The question could be something like, what's behind that? And at the same time, there's sort of a metaphorical stepping back so that the field of view becomes a bit larger. I'm, I'm using that as a metaphor. You know, in the physical world, you step back to get a bigger picture. So in that, in that situation, there's a kind of a, an inquiry, an inquisitiveness. What's behind that? And then also that kind of stepping back. That's, that's one uh, kind of tool that I found very useful. The other one is, a, is one that has to do with um, like uh, two hands, for example. You can do this exercise with a friend. Now, if I push, there's resistance. And if you push, so now what I do in this, in this state is I find that place where to the ultimate of my ability to notice, there's no pushing in any direction. I use the finest sensitivity that I can to find that place where there's absolutely no pushing. It's rather like a train that's running at full speed. Once the train is accelerated, all those linkages between the cars, they're all, you know, what's happening? There's very, very small contact. ตูนมโยตุเนี่ยตะคุอ่ะตูอ่ะดีหน้ามาบาชินิเลยดีหน้ามาบาชินิเลยสุดแล้วตูสเต็ปแบ็คลบเตะเออมิงกุยอ่
we are able to to know. Um, so he says, if for example we we are not able to see what's behind it, or we're not able to access a certain level of sensitivity, if we would be content with the level that we have and just persist on being aware of that, Seattle says. And the, the persistence of the awareness is what then builds up the awareness and then makes it more sensitive and makes us able to see better. But without the, the trying to see better that we just try to remain aware of, yeah, any, of using any of these tools, yeah. The question, what's behind that, is not asked to get an answer. Oh. Okay, yeah, That's right. It's also just a, a pointing to, to make the mind more aware. Yes, we can use these tools. Yeah, we can ask those questions. Okay, and a further bit of information, Seattle says, how we recognize that there's unwholesome or unskillful action happening in the mind is usually through our thoughts and our feelings. Right? There's tension, maybe the thoughts are racing, um, or jumbled. They're an indication that the mind is unskillful or, or unwholesome. But, Seattle says, the thought itself is not unwholesome. The feeling itself is not unwholesome. A feeling is just a feeling. Um, a feeling can reveal that there's something unwholesome behind it, but the feeling is not unwholesome. Similarly with the thought. The thought is a vehicle for the unwholesome uh, motivation or the wholesome motivation, but the thought itself is neither wholesome nor unwholesome. And so, so often we recognize the thought or the feeling, but we actually haven't tuned in to the unwholesome quality itself. And um, that unwholesome quality itself, the kilesa, or the wholesome quality, the kusala, so the kusala, the akusala, nature of the mind, that, that quality is something else. And that quality yeah, has all, its yeah, work, right? Each, each quality has its own job description, and each quality has its own responsibility and how it's supposed to carry out its work. And it carries out its work and shows its effect through the thoughts and the feelings, but we need to know that there is that which is separate from the thoughts and the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So this can be interesting just to keep in mind. Sierra says we don't have to do anything about it, but many yogis at the center, Sierra says, when he explains this, they find it um, quite enlightening um, for their practice because we we think of what we're experiencing as the defilements but no, Seattle says so often what we're experiencing is the, defi- the, the, the thoughts and the feelings and they're just the doorway for those qualities to express themselves and we don't recognize that the qualities have their own operation. So just, just to be clear, uh, is Sayadaw saying that we only know those qualities through our experience of the of the feeling or the thought. 
usually, but we can know those qualities separately, yes. But if we don't have this information, it's usually mixed up with our awareness of the thoughts and the feelings. Like craving has its own characteristics, right? Aversion has its own characteristics. Rage, fear, all of them have their own way of operating. I guess when I think about oh, how to how to know uh, the kusala and kusala qualities, the thing that comes to mind from my own experience is contraction and spaciousness. I mean, is that could I that could be one way to know them? Is to know when I feel contracted and when I feel spacious. Contraction versus spaciousness, pleasant versus unpleasant, right? Um, these are all signs that a kusala or an akusala, a wholesome or an unwholesome or a skillful or an unskillful, is at work. Again, but it's not the specific characteristic of each of those qualities. You know, like, um, what is the characteristic? I mean, say the five wholesome qualities that we work with when we are aware, right? We have awareness, uh, not awareness, sorry, I won't use that. We have sati, remembering or not forgetting. There is um, samadhi, which is um, stability. There is or, or collectedness. There is um, sadda, which is faith. There is spanya, which is wisdom. There is virya, which is effort. Um, they each do their own work, right? Like awareness doesn't do wisdom. Awareness is a silent witness, right? Wisdom knows what to do. Um, and, and virya is effort. Every moment we have to put in effort so that sati will be there. So each of them do their own work, but do we understand their work? And this is, this is the, the bit. Upama, Siadrasis of these five, um, even these five qualities, you know, the five uh, faculties, Siadrasis, if you ask a yogi whether they think they're aware, uh, they generally know if they're aware or not. If you ask them whether they have right effort, whether they have um, samadhi, whether they have faith, they're more able to say yes or no. But when Seattle asks yogis if they have wisdom, they sort of go into a gray area that they're not able to uh, pinpoint. They look at me like this. <laughs> because they feel unfamiliar with the t- they think wisdom is such a big word mm-hmm. you know they discount all the little wisdoms that we have that we need to use on a on a continuous basis yeah. we're always using wisdom but we don't see wisdom that this is the work of wisdom I feel like the way that I know wisdom is through discernment 
through being able to say this and not that, that and not this. That is one of the works of wisdom. That's okay. One of the can we lay out the other characteristics that we could pay attention to? <laughs> you've you got to discover them yourself. Wisdom, discernments, that is a very, very strong characteristic of wisdom, discernment, that it clearly knows the difference. It knows, yeah, it, it knows the difference, it knows detail, it is clear. Clarity is another characteristic of wisdom. Yeah. So, so when we use, when we recognize wisdom a lot in all its small ways, you know, um, the, the, the nature of wisdom becomes, becomes very clear to us, you know, whether it's common sense or, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yesterday I had this walking and it was very much, there was a lot of aversion going on, like very simple aversion against things happening around me, like people or whatever. And then... He says it's interesting how about day four, you know, people either start, you know, start having stuff coming on. And then actually I, I thought, okay, this will be a version walk, that's okay. And um, shortly after, okay. yeah, it, was, yeah. it was away. Mm. Yeah, thank God you thought that way. Thanks God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what was interesting... <laughs> Okay. But then what I thought is, isn't it with all these states that they will all go away eventually? I mean, it never happened to me that I had like three hours of aversion or two days of anger. So in a way I felt very relaxed because I thought whatever comes up, I mean, it will go away. And um, I was just thinking... Mm, why should I look at them? I mean, they will go away. Yeah, so. Hello, lunch out of the Baladi, Doda, Canali, Jaima Council, not to sing your meter, Daria Colum, a mere, mere, Mamma Hope, Pesra, Piambro, Seca, Senza Mirre, to Pure, to don't night, thou shalt to Kukanzara, or night, thou shalt Kanzara, or Mashiga Buba, and all to Pure, da, a mere machine, so or two machine, let me a shima, Mamma, or by Lushumle, by Lushuara. Yeah. Sierra says, um, there is more to it than that it just comes and goes. There is more to understand about them. Yeah. And um, if we didn't observe, we would miss the chance to understand that what else there is to understand. He says, whether we know it or not, things come and go. And they've been doing that their whole existence. But Seattle says, you also need to understand that because everything is cause and effect, right? When we talk about that everything comes and goes, 
at an elemental level, it's true, everything arises and passes away. But everything also passes on its quality to the next mind, and everything in cause and effect. So if the conditions, right, if the conditions are right, for example, for, um, say you get angry, and the conditions are right for the dosa not to stay. For example, you accept it. You're like, okay, let's let it be an aversion walk. And because you accept it and you're just being aware, the conditions for dosa to continue are no longer there. So it goes away, right? But Seattle says, if the conditions for it to remain, stay there. Seattle says, there are people who hold grudges their whole lives, who don't forgive their whole life because they hold on to a wrong thought. So if the condition for something to remain arises over and over again, if the condition is there, the effect will remain. So you know the Buddha taught anicca, dukkha, anatta, right? Three, three characteristics. It's not enough to understand anicca alone because we also have to remember that anatta is part of the equation and anatta is cause and effect. If the cause is always present, the the effect will always be there. For example, because of delusion, we continue to live life after life, right? That hasn't ended yet. So Sarah says, even um, in the case of a... uh, of a you know uh, an unwholesome or a wholesome quality, Seattle says, um, what allows unwholesome qualities to stay and grow are is delusion. Um, what allows wholesome qualities to stay and grow is is um, wisdom. So which is going to be more present? If delusion continues, wisdom doesn't come in, then the unwholesome is going to keep growing. Not right? <laughs> And the other thing is that the understanding that things are always changing, that also comes because you're observing. You know, and when you're not observing, that understanding won't keep refreshing itself, and then the understanding will fade too. You know, and then we won't know when things arise, when things pass away, you know, if we're not observing. Yes, and somehow the understanding as well that it's, oh, for me, that was my understanding. I don't know if it was right, but that it's not even necessary to have these thoughts or judgments about people behaving next to me, maybe not in the way that I would like them to behave. That was very relieving in a way. Yeah. That is wisdom. You know, that's the arising of wisdom. When wisdom comes, it relieves you. When there's right thought, when the mind thinks in the right way, it doesn't feel contracted, doesn't feel difficult. It's just a relief. Yeah. One other question about the defilement. Understanding, right, understanding and become right view and right thought. Yeah. yeah. So in this case, it's right view and right thought. Yeah. It was English. <laughs> no, it was. Um, I was observing how fast these defilements come. I mean, it's so super fast, and I can sometimes and one after the other and all of this, and I find it quite interesting how they how they this speed. But then I'm thinking now I'm aware, and actually it's that I'm aware because I'm in this retreat condition. But as well, I don't have to react. I can just look at them. And obviously I'm thinking about when it comes back to talking or when it comes back to my everyday life where I have to react. 
react and all of this. How do I manage? I mean, of course, in the evening I can sit and I can try to be aware most of the time, but how to be aware when you react in the same time? Like even here in this little talking situation, when I listen to his question and I already think about what I wanted to ask, it becomes so much more difficult to be aware. Like this is, I'm not con really concerned about it, but I'm mm. interested if there are ways. Yeah. <laughs> เออล่ะเลยตะเมียวตัดตาเลยเลยตะเมคูตุซิซ่าเลยเลยอิงเปียมเมซุยลูเรเนซกาเปียวเลยบ่ซิโกตุ๊ปยันหนอมเมตุ
be watching the feeling and not thinking anymore because yeah the thinking is going to spin it around yeah. if we keep feeding the thoughts the feelings will grow stronger so just watch all of us feel things yara says but when they start they're small but we feed them with our thoughts and then they grow bigger and bigger the emotions and then the, the emotions gets really fat like the cat and after a while it overwhelms our mind i think the seado is absolutely uh, correct and he's hit the nose on them uh, on the button on the nose because then it leads me to think about these catholic nuns who've taken a vow of silence and i say oh my goodness you know they did this voluntarily and how fortunate i am that i'm also doing this voluntarily but not for the rest of my life and i think how grateful i should be because um i'm in this hut but i have two meals a day and for most people you want to have three but then i think about the hungry people in this world and nearly about half a billion people don't have running water electricity they don't have even one square meal a day and i think to myself how fortunate i am and i should be grateful um these feelings i ask myself are they new of course they're not new there's something that's always been there um these are not new feelings they're old feelings but coming to this meditation and taking the eight precepts and here i ask for guidance i think that my mind is a bit is much clearer and i perceive these things much more sharply otherwise yes i i i feel that yes they they're poor people and this and that but now i i really kick myself and i sort of say well you know i really must try to help those people who can't help themselves because that's the way things are and i should really be grateful for what i have so what i my question to siado is is that i suppose these feelings he's done many retreats he's met many yogis that they must be very similar feelings by many other people thank you um the sensory catholic ho tilashinili to to order to khushi to bozi be bozi be de so to say ah to ru bozi be ko oh lo kham lai voluntarily ko lo lo bale lo lo chi jin we like that to ru you you like that di hao no ero tu a ตูเลดดิโอโลโลชินจินลาราเบตาเมตูตะเตะลุลุพุมะโลเรตูโกเยเปซูตูกันกาวเนเรอูโบอูโบซาวนาเลตูเปียวเรตะเนโอเนจิ
Senhora says yes, you know, when the mind is. Senhora says yes, when the mind is more settled, you know, thoughts take on much more um, clarity and they're taken more seriously or they, they have more depth. That's it. He said there's more depth in our thoughts when we um, have, have a settled mind. But Senhora says don't think too much because then you will lose awareness. <laughs> the key is to remain aware. So that wisdom governs the day. There seems to be a much better comfortableness with um, whatever is arising, the thoughts or um, whatever they may be. Certainly. Sierra says that's a good sign, you know. So, um, so he gives an example of how we are generally automatically resistant to stuff that comes up in the mind and the body that we have prejudged as being undesirable. But when the mind becomes comfortable with, with acknowledging everything that comes up as it is, it is a sign that the mind knows how to be aware. You know, it's skillful at just being aware. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's still, um, of course, at times gets caught in little idle stories or such. Um, and other times it gets very calm, empty, non-conceptual. But um, I'm just actually to say it's uh, very thankful for just having this extra little space and a little more awareness or knowing of how to uh, not get sucked into things. Carry on, Columbus. Thank you. Uh, first, I want to express my sincere gratitude for one hint. Um, like I think one of the main hints I got out of this retreat, which is a very simple one, relax. <laughs> but it's turned out to be, extremely, to be extremely important. Yeah. And uh, I think that is quite an exceptional approach, uh, being to other retreats before. Um, the focus on relaxation was never that big, and I think that's fantastic. So it helped me quite a lot um, to deal with various uh, situations um, of my life. Is it private? Is it professional? Things um, I kept thinking about, I kept reflecting, sort of some of them digesting over the past few days. However, there's one little ghost 
that seems to come out of nowhere. One of those, I don't know if I should call it minds, um, but it's, it has to do with fear. And it seems to be a very, very essential fear, um, which, however, I can't really define, I can't really see, I can't really find out where it's coming from. Um, and the expression is short of breath. It's actually quite, uh, it's quite um, uh, disturbing. It's even, uh, it can be very, very fearful. And I've had this experience for about one and a half years. Um, and I've been trying, it's not asthma, no? I've been trying to find out what is it connected to, where does it f uh, come from, and how can I get rid of it. I know, <laughs> you only want me to be aware of it, but it can, like, I found, or like, I think, I think it has to do with an overload of um, expectations I have towards certain things. It has to do with an overload of um, pressure I put on myself, like to get things really done very, very well, uh, uh, perfectly uh, fine. Um, and even though the relaxing mode can help up to a certain point, but then it just comes again. And I'm like, <gasps> I try, I, like, I can't get enough air into my lungs. And I was wondering if there's some hints you can give on that. To aero dima Shimpia Tenario to digest lonely and a banet janeha okay to A S Sachin to the coop tellare. Diha good neck well she be to Pietera to chowder sick Pietere เอ่อเบียผิดล่ะมันไม่ติอยู่เลยตู้เนี่ยจ้องเนาะตู้ก้าวๆไม่ติอยู่ตู้ทิ้งเนี่ยแหละไอ้ที่หาตู้เนี่
um, if you will allow it, you know, if you will actually accept, okay, it's okay to be short of breath. It's a sign of this fear. That's nature. You know, and let's see what it is. Yeah. And it is to um, eventually understand something about it, but you need to watch it to, to get to that understanding. Again, without wanting to know, you know, get to get to that understanding. So the simple question is, what is this? What is this? And just... Me or me only watch only ask that question so long as you are willing to watch that's good enough yeah. Seattle says he used to be a very angry person and when he began to practice very seriously at home he is, because you know in, in Buddhism anger is related to fear they're all in the same group, dosa, right? anger, yeah, fear, all same, same family he says when he began to seriously watch his, his dosa he said he went through a series of questions for himself, and his first question was, what is dosa? What is this dosa? What is it? So he, he would watch it um, over and over. And he says when he began to understand a bit more about what dosa is, then his question was, what is the dosa about? What is the dosa you know, being angry about? What is it eating at? And then his third, and then when he began to understand that a bit more, his third question was, why is the mind having dosa? Yeah. Why is the mind, you know, rejecting or whatever, whatever it's doing? And then the last of all, when he got through all those questions, his last question was, is it good? Is it helpful? Is it beneficial? Is it any good? Every question so from all his watching when he would eventually get an answer you know he says when the mind understood what it was or what it was angry about that would release the anger that time you know it would and his favorite was of course the last question is it necessary he says and um his understanding of that over the years, you know, was so powerful that if he would even remember to ask the question, just is it necessary, it would just fall away because it was unnecessary to ever use anger to achieve anything. Yeah, but that's like really years of, of, of watching it very dedicatedly. Yeah, so he says from all his watching, he never saw any good reason to be angry at all. <laughs> there really just was never a good reason for that to be the operating Yeah, but in Burmese, you know, I don't think we say this in English, but in Burmese when they express self-righteousness, they say, isn't this something good to be angry about? You know, like, isn't this like, 
irritating sort of thing we'd say in English, as though it, it was irritating in itself, you know. Clearly, yeah. theory. Clearly, what, what? Theory. Clearly theory, yes. How many years did it take you? <laughs> About five years. So it, it might take me another 20 years. Sarah <laughs> um, says, you all, you know, he says you all strike him as being more intelligent than he was at that age. He said he was really dumb. <laughs> He says he lived life, you know, at will. He never thought about life. He never thought about how life should be lived. So he says he didn't know how to think. He says he had no, you know, framework or anything. He says only through meditation, you know, that he began to learn how to think right. So he says slowly his wisdom grew. Uh, he spent his whole life pursuing, you know, the things that he wanted, whatever gave him pleasure. Not him, he says, his mind did whatever it wanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this context, how much effort? Do you allow every time? Every moment. Every time we put down, put down, keep over, Every time he says. Yeah. Every time it happens. Okay. How much effort do you allow, or do you take, or do you put into uh, mind work? Uh, how much effort do you put into body work? Uh, I'm asking this question because I think I put way too much um, effort into body work and I neglected my mind a lot. So this is also why things like this fear or this anger, this dosa, I terribly neglected. Um, so like, is this something you can quantify at all beyond, you probably will say, watch it and it will appear. <laughs> when you say body work, do you mean be aware of the body or be aware of the body? Body awareness. Okay, all right. The mind. The mind. Uh, I don't know like this. Yeah. Right, right, okay. Yeah. 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 Don't do anything with an idea of how much or how how you should do it. You know, it it it's got to be a very natural evolution for you because things will change as well with your practice. And um, Siara says, if you do it steadily, you know, as much as you are ab capable and able, and you stay stick with it, persist with it, you know, it will evolve. Yeah, I'm asking. 
Um, when he began meditation, it was because of his depression, right? And he also had paranoid, slightly paranoid delusions as well. So, yeah, he had a lot of fear. Yeah, he, he said he would he would be afraid of the customers who come, came to his that, shop. You know, that. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he... Maybe it was his time, but you know, when he began practicing um, at about the age of 29, no? Yeah. About 20, 28, 29, when he you know, got into his worst depression ever. Meditation was actually his last resort. You know, <laughs> He tried to do everything else before he would get to it. Uh, he tried to avoid it as long as possible, and finally it was his last resort. He knew it would work, and he tried, finally got to it. And he says... Um, and he tried to be aware all day long. And what he, he used... And the reason he began using it was he knew that if he was aware, it actually gave him a little relief. Relief, he said. Not resolution. He wasn't free. He still felt horrible. A little relief. And his beginnings were, you know, like... He said he was so depressed he needed strong sensations to, to help him to be aware. So he used to use things like a, a Vicks inhaler, you know. He would breathe in and that sharp sensation would be what he would pay attention to. And it was when he could do that. But he was really trying to be aware all day long simply because that was the only relief he could get. So he was really driven to it. Right, but he says about four or five months into doing this, trying to be aware continuously, one day he was in his shop and he was smelling the inhaler and he was aware of the sharp sensation and he had a split second of total relief. Total. For a second, the veil lifted, the depression lifted, he felt free. And then it came back. He said the <laughs> drop back, the lid came back on. He was depressed again. But then his right. mind sort of was like, yes, this is the door. Like if I persist, eventually I'm going to. And he said that glimpse sort of like motivated his mind so strongly. And that kept him going, well, I guess until now. <laughs> but he doesn't think you're in that fearful state, huh? <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> he says, if when we are desperate, we really get desperate to find a way. When we are really suffering, we really try to find a way. Yeah, he, he, he truly believes that if he hadn't got that depressed, if he hadn't been pushed into that corner, he would never have practiced that much. ก็ยังดูค่ะดูค่ะเสียนะนี่ที่เกตก็เค้าเนี่ยเอ็กซ์เพรียนเค้าเนี่ยเสียเลยเว้ยตัวอนอกอ่ะยีระยัยดาบร
ตลอดเจ้าเลยส่วนนี้ซุ้มจะแช่กูไม่ใช่ไหนเขาบอกว่าเขาไม่ได้ทำอะไรเขาบอกว่าเขาไม่ได้ทำอะไรเขาบอก
it, it keeps growing it with its thoughts and its it yeah. Um, and if you can see how the mind is actually perpetuating it. Also. <coughs> says, have, have you ever been in an accident or, or thought about like being in an accident, like head-on collision, or like imagining that a plane is crashing or something? Have you ever had thoughts like that? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you think about that experience, doesn't it bring on the same sort of feelings? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's the same thing with the. It's the same thing with the you know with the fear of suffocation. It's how the mind thinks about it and then brings on the fear. Yeah. He, um, because, you know, I mentioned just now he had paranoid um, delusional fears. And um, so that was one of the things that he had to work with as well through all those years of practicing at home. And he says, of, you know, his daily practice as well as, you know, um, his daily practice was trying to be aware all day long, um, whatever it was. And then also the noticing of thoughts, you know, being aware of thoughts whenever they arise. And he says he watched it for ever so long. And, and one day, you know, when, while being aware of the thought that arose, uh, which was causing some fear in him, um, the mind suddenly realized that it was just a thought. And when it realized it was just a thought, it just, like, everything dropped away, just like that, you know, it just dropped it like a bomb. There's nothing more to be afraid of because it recognized that a thought was just a thought. And since then, he said he's never, you know, thoughts just don't have that much of a powerful hold on him. He can imagine any frightening scenario, and he, he is not moved by it so much because he recognizes that it's just another construct of the mind. It takes time, though. Yeah. You know, people who have pneumonia, they get water in their lungs. And that also feels like a bit like drowning, yeah, because you have water in the lungs. Yeah. When they breathe, they can hear the water bubbling inside. <laughs> well, the monk died. Not to scare you, but... <laughs> but, yeah, but that was... But the monk died peacefully. Yeah, he didn't, like, die in... Yeah. So the idea of of realizing it's just the thought. So let's say, say, for example, yesterday from maybe 12.15 to 3.34, if you're just um, staying without labels, conceptualization, um, just watching, say, this idea of even the body of just being a, a label or a thought, so when this situation is coming over, say, a death or something like that, is that what you just stay with that? Saito was saying when he was explaining that he realized it was just a thought. So if you're staying just with sensations, awareness, sensations. So he knew the thought. 
and that's when he realized it was just rock. Okay. I'll think about that. <laughs> Because thoughts are just like our dreams, Sierra says, and you know, we don't believe any of our dreams. They're just the mind, a figment of the mind's imagination. It's the same with the thoughts. Thoughts just wind through our day, you know, in our minds. One time he saw this imagination in a He was asleep and he saw and he saw, because he was aware all day long, so he was aware of his dream and he knew he was being aware. There was awareness of his dream. Imagination in a And he saw pictures in the then dream. And then the mind started waking up. Half away The mind is half awake. Imagination When the mind changes from a sleep state to a waking state, the way the thoughts go, go from images and then they become words. So when you become awake, the, the pictures turn into words. The story uh, continues. Yeah, but the same story was continuing in the words that were coming in pictures in I the dream. Mother, 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 mother. So that's how he understood that dreams are just thoughts. Yeah, it's just the mind thinking stuff. But Still, such thoughts are imprints in our system, and uh, so, like the memories, which uh, you can't just get rid of them, right? Yeah, no. you cannot. He's not saying get rid of yeah. it. He's saying recognize it for what it is. Mm-hmm. That is just the thought. Memory will pyeolu miao. Memory Yeah, Sierra says you. Even when you're dying, you can't get rid of memories. Yeah. But. But when there's understanding, you know, from observing continuously, when the realization finally comes that this is just what it is, Seattle says, um, the consequent minds, the subsequent minds don't react to the thought anymore. Yeah, they, they're not influenced by the thought anymore. Yeah. Yeah, he says, because every time we have a memory, when we don't understand it's just a memory, every memory brings with it the emotions that the memory brought before. Um, until we understand that a memory is just a memory, then it's just another thought. Then it doesn't bring all the emotions with that much force anymore. Yeah. So could we almost say it's not a pain, not a, it's not a trauma, it's not a problem anymore, it's just a thought? Yes. Tinkling top. <laughs> like a smoke, like that. Forget it. We love you. finish. But present moment, a lot of, we are busy with the present moment. No, we know, we know, we know. We cannot go back to the past. Because of we are busy to be aware of it. Then the memory cannot stay longer. They come, they go. Right? Okay. Sayada, thank you very much for your advice about uh, positive and negative thinking. Uh, I started to pay attention on uh, these concepts that are arising, and uh, I start to realize that uh, they um, cause different uh, sensations in the body, that uh, negative thinking is causing pain or discomfort or like a kind of stiffness, and uh, positive thinking is uh, like brings uh, relief or good feelings or makes me energetic. Uh, but at one moment, I um, said to myself, um, I, I remind myself to be aware <laughs> of what's going on, that uh, I am walking, 
what is going around me. At, and at one moment, I understood that all these thoughts, negative or positive, uh, it's just stories, just thinking. And I'm here and now, and that um, the emotions are real, and the stories are not. Mm. And it was so, such a wonderful realization. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, and uh, my question is, uh, this morning, um, during the sitting, I found myself, um, I found a big impatience inside myself. Um, I realized that I do not have that much pain in the body as before. I can sit longer, uh, but there is some discomfort present. And I start to investigate, and I found out that it's impatience. And that behind this impatience, there is uh, the mind that is uh, pushing me, like uh, giving me a desire to move, saying, Let, let's go. Why do we sit here? We, we do not do nothing. Let's go. Let's go somewhere. Let's go somewhere, at least at the story. <laughs> to tell me a fairy tale. <laughs> and then I realized this. Uh, this had gone. But then it came back. And it goes and comes, it comes and goes, and I don't know what to do with it. At one moment, <laughs> I start to be very angry with myself that I cannot deal with it. And I changed position and let it go. But anyway, I, it, it's still, st still presence. What, what to do with this? เออพอตัวเนี่ยอาชินพี่อ่ะโหเอ่ออตุ้ยอ่ะกาวเนี่ยตุ้ยมาซูเรอตุ้ยอจ้างตู่ปอปอ่ะตู่เจซุติเนี
Ah, o Buda usa nela o coral. É Like every time I watch this, it's always fell into this unwholesome always fell into greed or aversion. Only these two. Posura, what else I'll see though? Posura. Yeah. And because we're watching continuously, we see more of the stuff. Uh, yeah. But you see the truth of what is happening as it is, so be happy about that. He says the first step in being aware is first to know how it is, and it and it is that there is more madness going on in the mind than sanity, that there is more bad news than good news. It feels like it seems like yeah. So you know, as we watch, but first we have to know that that is what is happening, and then. Just by continuing to watch Sarah's um, lessons get learned and the mind can change. Because if we didn't know that there was bad news, Sarah says, then we wouldn't make an effort to move towards the good. Yeah, we, we think that the mind is fine. We think that we are good. That we don't really know whether everything is really fine in there, up there. So the question is, when I watch this greed or aversion, like holding this pleasant feeling and like pushing away the unpleasant feeling, do I have to watch in like more detail? He says every time there is greed and aversion, uh, delusion is also there. You can notice that. But I'm the investigate low lobby, low name lobby, so yeah, not buying giant. King Pimandia, Piaman Piamandia. Now, I jump here, there's a dear man. I jump your daughter to the dear. I jump separate. So as far as detail is concerned, Sarah says that uh, takes time. You can keep it in mind, but you don't have to try to do it, right? He says, as far as the detail is concerned, as you continue to be aware every time, right? Every time there's greed, every time there's aversion, Sarah says you will notice when greed arises, when aversion arises. You'll notice when greed stops, when aversion stops. You'll notice why greed arises, why aversion arises, um, why it stops, both of them, and why they continue, why they continue and why they stop. Yeah. So, but this happens. Um, more naturally, you know, when you have uh, a sustained practice, the mind will will investigate these and 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 understand these. But it's not just the unwholesome qualities. We also, maybe even more importantly, must know it about the wholesome qualities. You know, awareness, for example, awareness, samadhi, virya, all these. What is it? Why does it arise? 
Uh, when does it arise? When it arises, you should recognize it's there. When it's gone, you should know it's not there. Why does it arise? Why does it stay? What makes it stronger? What makes it grow? And when does it, dis- when does it stop? But these things you understand when you've been watching over and over again and, and, and when you see the process you know, unfold, that's when you begin to notice uh, these elements. And seeing the process means that you begin to notice before it starts, you notice when it starts, you notice when it's happening, you notice when it stops, and you continue to know what's happening after it stops. So, so when, when the mind has that much um, you know, uh, presence, then it begins to see the whole story. For me, I think I also remind myself before I'm walking or sitting about using right attitudes. So I will repeat the words something like, it's natural process, it's not me, something like that. And then <laughs> when I walk, when I walk, I feel like it's going to be, I don't know how to say. <laughs> I feel like I walk with calm and peaceful mind sometimes, and I think that I come with the right attitude. And then when I come at the right attitude, I feel attached to it. Like, I come to the right attitude, and then I want it, I want to be in the right attitude, and then it becomes long attitude. <laughs> then it becomes long attitude. And then when I forget, when I keep walking, it's come again, it's like, a, it's like the, the question come automatically. If you're aware of it, right attitude, it's come like, right? And then it's come wrong, right? <laughs> wrong, something like that. And then they know automatically that. Yeah, right, right, long, long, something like that. If I ask too often. No, no, no. Sierra huh? says that's fine. That's it's fine. good to know right attitude when it's right attitude and wrong attitude when it's wrong attitude. <laughs> you don't need anything. You're just recognizing it's what's just happening. In the second. Yeah, always remember what is happening is okay as it is, right? Okay. You are aware of it, and that's great. Okay. How to, to maintain right attitude? Because no, it no. comes right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong. How to maintain that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, right. The only thing you need to maintain is awareness. Right attitude, wrong attitude, you just observe it. Okay. You don't need to do anything to it. Okay. Right attitude, Okay. Yeah. Sarah says when we get a taste of the power of right attitude then we want to always have right attitude but then we are stuck with the wrong attitude so, <laughs> same with samadhi same with anything you know wanting anything yeah, just, just because that thing has a good effect Sarah says then we want it but that wanting is already the wrong yeah the wrong but when we don't understand the nature of craving, we cannot move ahead in, in practice because craving is always pulling us down. Mm-hmm. It's always bringing us back to ground level. In this context, isn't it often a discipline that has been imprinted on us like from childhood that we need to be able to let go and relax and just allow itself to say, F-U-C-K, that discipline, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> been taught from young to to let go 
No, that statistics we have to talk from young. Sometimes it's so deeply imprinted oh. where we have to allow ourselves to let it go. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He says we, we are sort of doing the reverse of what we've been taught uh, or what we've been doing all our lives. Maybe not taught, but what we've been doing all our lives. So yes, to suddenly let it go is difficult. But we need to recognize it. He said that's why it's harder for people who are old <laughs> because they've been living longer with that same... <laughs> with that same... <laughs> We've been holding on... <laughs> The habit of the mind is so much longer. Um, it can, but if we'll just know that, just recognize that. But Ziyana says, when we get older, um, presumably our wisdom is also getting older. So in fact, Ziyana says, that wisdom should also be able to help that mind, even though its habits may be stronger. Okay. No, but I have as well, when, when I have confidence in the practice, then these things are so much easier. Like, Trusting the practice. I don't know if, but this is really helpful. Atomu apoma the dashi le dihari luewa. Wasoko atomu ma the dashi lokwa lucha. Yes, Yaro says faith is such a huge help in that way. When we have faith in the practice, we're willing to to um, to take the risk. It's like okay, it um, it doesn't have to be good. Let's just be aware. You're willing to take the risk and see what will the practice bring. Sierra says, because this is a learning process, right? We're, we're at the, in a sense, for a long time, we're at the beginning of the journey. This is what we'll come across. Okay. Yeah, we're still even learning the skills of all these. Yeah. Okay, and, and another question. I, I used to practice in, in, in getting every detail. Uh-huh. So when I sitting, I have the feeling of that I focusing on the thinking too much, and then it is used a lot of effort. But uh-huh. I would like to conserve to the evening, <laughs> conserve the energy uh-huh. to the evening. Yeah, yeah. So I keep checking and keep reminding myself that relax, relax, mm-hmm. and then I keep checking whether I use too much energy. It's sometimes like it's come boom, mm-hmm. too much energy yeah. on concentrating. So that too much energy comes from wanting to know detail. Yeah. So there's no need for detail. Mm. Okay? Don't try to look if you see it's good enough. Mm. Right? So what you see is what the mind is naturally already able to see. Mm-hmm. Anything more than that, you are focusing too much. Okay? Then that's greed. Greed is going to come in. So, you try to check the eyesight, right? If you more degree, blur. Less degree, blur. If you match, clear. Mm-hmm. No need to look and Siaro says, because you know, you said you keep checking whether you're relaxed, whether you're relaxed. He says, but you are not relaxed because you are focusing too much. Yeah. 
So rather than, Seattle says, now you are focusing and then you are checking whether you're relaxed. He says, just drop the focus. Just drop the focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're focusing and trying to relax, but you're. It's yeah. my attachment to the focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just old habits, yeah. Just yeah. Step so just, just. Just step back. Yes, yeah, step back. Step right. back. Okay. Step back. Western nature is always step back or overview, not overview. closely. It closely is defining nature is. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.